0: This is the remix.
1: Let's go, bitch. Do you think they've slayed the dragon and now it's just a matter of, uh, of cooking up some, some supper? Get minutes in this program
2: you have to make a nice cold beer for you. This is all we're gonna see. Is there a water going on?
0: That was awesome. Bishy, Bishy.
3: Doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're gonna write every time. So it doesn't matter what you say. Tap ta Tap Just crushed my dreams.
0: Boom. Sadness. That's the one.
1: Ed is gone. As he is headed out to Raiders practice, Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams might be the big story of the day, depending on if they're out there or not. They both missed multiple days leading into the Hall of Fame game. Um, There was no media availability until the Hall of Fame game last week. I think there was on Monday and then nothing up until that and hasn't been anything since. So we'd be going a very long time if those two are not out at practice today since the last time they were seen at practice. So it could just be injury related, um, but. There's obviously the contract situation with Darren Waller that provides a alternative option as to why he has not been at practice. We started the show, though, talking about the Golden Knights. They signed Keegan Kolasar to a three-year deal. Uh, he was a restricted free agent. They avoided arbitration with Keegan Kolasar, But it sort of hit me with the realization of who the hell is going to be on the third line for this team when they're fully healthy and what happens when they're not. Fully healthy. So we asked the question Do the Golden Knights have enough depth to win the Stanley Cup? Uh, Rita on Twitter simply said yes. Good confidence, Rita. I like it. Uh, Dante said it's like our Lady Aces. No, but we have the talent and front line to win the cup. We need a few breaks for sure. Our power play has to improve. Eventually, we will rebuild the farm system. Just have to trust the process. And Michael Perkins said no. And the way they've handled their prospects leads me to believe that this will be a long-term issue as long as this front office is here and to reiterate the main point from seven o'clock go listen to that lvSportsNetwork.com. the golden knights do have good top-end talent right if they're fully healthy they should have a good goalie they've got a lot of good defensemen and their top six should be pretty good this year the problem is is that their bottom six is not very good and if they run into a couple of injuries with their forwards you're talking about william carrier and nick wa on the top uh, one on the first line one on the second line or something like that you might be talking about keegan Kolasar playing on one of the top two lines depending on how injuries and play goes this year so the depth is a big concern the one thing i'm curious though about michael perkins thing is when he says leads me to believe this will be a long-term issue as long as the front office is here i'm not convinced the front office will be here very long obviously if they win a stanley cup they will and if they win a stanley cup then they accomplish their goal and what happens after that not that you want to suck but like okay you you traded off some prospects and you manage the cap pretty poorly but if you win the cup then good job but if they don't win the cup i don't know that they'll be here and i think what i think a potential outcome here is The front office eventually is gone, and the new front office, whoever that would be, might be the ones that have to clean up a mess, and it might be a, hey, we're going to go into a rebuilding mode. The curious part on that, though, is obviously always going to be Bill Foley, because if you're Bill Foley, he has no desire to rebuild. He has no desire to be bad for the sake of being good in two to three years. Bill Foley wants to win now, and as long as they haven't won the Stanley Cup, I wonder if Bill Foley we will try to keep pushing on with what they have until it really proves it's not working. And by that, I mean missing the playoffs again and not being able to blame a bunch of injuries. So Golden Knights depth, not something they really have this year. Uh, We'll see how healthy they are because that might be the key to this team making the playoffs, getting a good playoff seating, and then obviously in the postseason winning. Now, something else on the Golden Knights. Alan Walsh. Who doesn't love Alan Walsh? Alan Walsh gave some interesting quotes. Uh, He was on the Agent Provocator, I don't know how to say that word, provocateur podcast uh, over the weekend, and thanks to Sinbin for translating these. But I'll read some quotes here from Alan Walsh. First off, in Vegas, no player is safe. Several players have made the comment now that no player is safe. At any time, the rug can be pulled out from under you. And if it'll happen to Marc-Andre Fleury, trust me, it can happen to anybody. Some players are going to ultimately decide to play in that environment and don't care, but other players are going to value being in a place where there's a sense of loyalty and stability and appreciation that goes both ways. He also said there are many players who have been made promises by owners, by GMs. You know, you're going to retire here. Your family, I love you like a son. And then a year later get traded and it's like, oh well, I didn't want to do it. It's a business. So that's Alan Walsh on Vegas. First off, that last quote there, I'm pretty sure he's calling out Bill Foley on the whole you're gonna retire <laughs> here thing. Uh Foley supposedly told Marc-Andre Fleury that he would retire as a golden knight, and Alan Walsh is now, you know, repeating that and not very happy that that Marc-Andre Fleury then ultimately got traded away. So I think this is agent not just being mad at a front office, not just being mad at a coach, you know, when you put DeBoer in the sword and stick it in the back of Marc-Andre Fleury. He's calling out Bill Foley here, and there's an interesting part to that because the front office gets a lot of criticism, rightfully so. I mean, the way they've handled the roster, it has not been good. When you've got to trade away Fleury and... Pacherredi and you get nothing in return. Hell, you have to throw in Dylan Cogwin to get rid of Pacherredi. That's pretty terrible management. Even the Nate Schmidt trade and the Paul Stasny trade. Not good management because they somehow found themselves in a position of well, we don't have any leverage so we can't get anything. Like the front office has been bad. But a lot of this does come back to Bill Foley. Like obviously he's the owner and you can whatever. Always do the well. It starts at the top thing. But Bill Foley wants to win. And Bill Foley wants to win a Stanley Cup as soon as possible. And he has effectively entrusted George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon to be the ones to deliver that. But Bill Foley also has the ability to say no. Bill Foley could walk in and say, no, we're not trading Marc-Andre Fleury. Figure something else out. Bill Foley could walk in and say, no, we're not acquiring Robin Leonard because Marc-Andre Fleury our goalie. Figure something else out. Bill Foley has the ability to do that. It doesn't appear as though he does that very often, though. It very much appears as though he is on board with the Golden Knights going out and getting whatever big-name player is available. And, hell, maybe he's the one that's pushing for it. Maybe he's the one that's like, hey, who's this Jack Eichel guy here? He's pretty good. Should we get him? And then they get him. And even though it... Hurts the team more and more and more. That's what Bill Foley wants, or at least that's what Bill Foley approves. So I do think it's fair of Alan Walsh to actually include the owner in this and not just the front office. However, Alan Walsh might be the biggest whiner in hockey. I don't know if there's anybody that whines more than Alan Walsh does. I mean, every single moment this guy has a chance to get in front of a microphone and say poor me and my players get mistreated is unbelievable it's incredible how this guy is constantly whining like just in the most ridiculous ways too like he's upset that his players get traded away like they still are playing like what? what's he upset about there like the idea that foley told flurry you'll retire here and then backed out and said oh no it's a business like That's what this is. Like, if you wanted to retire there, you should have negotiated a a full no-trade clause in the contract. Like, that's on you as an agent. If your player thinks he's retiring there, you get the full no-movement clause. You make sure that that contract cannot be moved without the player saying yes. Evgeny Dodonov's agent did that. Granted, he forgot about it, but he did that at one point with at least 10 teams. If you're an agent and your player expects to retire there, walk in there and say, well, we would like to update the contract to a no-movement clause. That's an Alan Walsh problem. Like, why didn't you do that? You took a guy at his word when you clearly shouldn't be doing that. Alan Walsh is the loudest agent in the NHL, despite being, like, not even close to, the mo- you know, have the most players or whatever, but you wouldn't know that because he talks more than all the other agents combined. And at the end of the day, the Golden Knights are going to do what they think they need to do to win Stanley Cup. Trading away, marker- trading away at least one of the goalies last offseason was what they needed to do, right? You can argue which one it should have been, but they needed to trade one away. That's no doubt the right path they should have taken and at the end of the day it is a business like what does alan walsh think this is like is he going to give money back if his players don't perform no it's a business they agreed to the salary that's what they're going to pay him there's no agreement that they didn't have to trade mark andre Fleury. you could have gotten that but he didn't have it why because it's a business like alan walsh just whines to complain he just whines to hear himself complain and it's kind of annoying when he does it but it's good for me because i do sports talk radio and i like when he complains because then i get to yell at him
2: so, the point that I was going to like that I think is interesting is, and you you basically said it is he's complaining about loyalty, but somehow whenever his players are up as free agents, that loyalty doesn't seem to
1: matter as much. no, not at all. It's who's gonna pay them the most money like that like that's the whole idea of it's a business, like, yeah, it you agree to contracts and teams, i mean, Listen, if he said that the Golden Knights you know, violated Evgeny Tadonov's contract by trading him on a no-trade clause, he'd uh, have a valid yeah. point they did. He'd have it. a valid point. But that's not what he brought up because Dadanoff's not his client. He doesn't care about Evgeny Tadonov. As far as the whole it's a business thing, you, you sign contracts for a reason in the NHL, and there are players that have full no-movement clauses that are not allowed to be traded unless they approve it. And if Alan Walsh was a better agent, his players would have those, and they would still be in Vegas because they wouldn't be traded away right unless they agreed to it so he could have prevented that he could have stopped them from trading Marc-Andre Fleury he just wasn't a good enough agent at the end of the day because he couldn't get Marc-Andre Fleury a no movement clause and same with patch I don't know if he's quite as upset about the patch one but at the end of the day he's still mad about how Marc-Andre Fleury was tweeted despite he being the one that tweeted out a photo of a sword with Pete DeBoer's name on it in his back he's a lot like John Gruden's lawyer in that he likes to play the victim despite definitely not being the victim at no point in this scenario is alan walsh the victim he's the agitator and then comes back and says whoa they don't treat me right they don't treat my players right
2: he likes to play the victim and while also simultaneously showing his incompetence
1: yeah and the other thing that's interesting is like he's i think in his mind he hopes that the golden knights have to like suffer because he said that like oh some players are going to decide to play in that environment and they don't care about how the players are being traded, but loyalty goes bold and all that crap. Like, in his mind, he hopes that, like, oh, no player's going to sign in Vegas. Meanwhile, Riley Smith was, like, desperate to stay in Vegas. Riley Smith was a free agent that could have cashed in probably more money than he made here if he actually went onto the open market, but he was, like, desperate to stay here in Vegas. Why? Apparently, it's a terrible place to play, according to Alan Walsh, but plenty of guys have signed here not many this offseason because you know the whole salary cap problems and they can't physically (laughs) sign anybody but plenty of guys have signed in vegas plenty of guys have agreed to play here after staying here it's not like the golden knights are suddenly this undesirable location just because alan walsh clients aren't here anymore so yeah it's alan walsh he whines a lot he's kind of annoying but still good for me i'll still take it every time he does coming up next it's bischoff's briefs (laughs)
2: Bishop's Briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bishop's Briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bishop's Briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bishop's Briefs. 47. Okay.
3: Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just then.
1: coming up in a few minutes q will join us uh hopefully he's live from practice i believe he's out of practice today uh figure out if chandler jones and darren waller showed up today or not but bischoff's briefs today is taking a look at josh jacobs and the potential for a trade josh mcdaniel shot down the idea that the raiders are shopping him earlier this morning but We'll go to the browns first kareem hunt asked the browns for a trade according to cleveland.com Kareem hunt has one year left on his contract uh he's not the number one running back there i guess is when nick chubb is hurt he kind of becomes the number one running back but they use two running backs their running game has been very good for a while now but Kareem hunt doesn't have any security beyond this season contract wise uh he was at one point participating in individual drills but was not going to participate in team drills uh basically kevin Stefanski said no we're not going that's not gonna happen if he's here he's gonna work in all of the drills so we'll see exactly what happens with kareem hunt but that is a running back without an extra year on his contract asking for a trade asking for a new contract and that brings us back to josh jacobs in vegas because the raiders did not pick up his fifth year option jacobs does not have security beyond this season as far as his contract goes plus he plays the position with the shortest average career running backs get churned through very quickly and jacobs in particular he's been hurt a lot in his career he's played through a lot of injuries including that shoulder injury in his rookie year. He actually hasn't missed a lot of games. He's missed a decent amount, but he hasn't actually missed a ton of games, but he's played through seemingly injuries. Once you get to week four every year, Jacobs is playing through something if he's on the field. So, in my mind, if I were Josh Jacobs or his agent or whoever, my priority would be securing that second contract, getting some guaranteed money beyond this season. The running back position doesn't make a lot of money already. And the possibility of an injury that prevents Jacobs from getting a second contract or getting a second significant contract is real. So if you're Josh Jacobs, how do you go about getting a second contract before this season starts? Well, he's not getting it from the Raiders, right? If they thought Josh Jacobs was good, they would have picked up his fifth year option or declined the fifth year option and signed him to a new contract, a new extension. But they didn't do that. The Raiders, they're they're more willing to play him in the Hall of Fame game than they are to actually pay him beyond this season. He's not going to get a second contract from the Raiders. So Josh Jacobs should ask for a trade. Because if, if he doesn't, here's the most likely scenario for Josh Jacobs. If he were to just play out this year, which it looks like he is, Jacobs plays this year, he becomes a free agent afterwards, and has to get another team to sign him and give him that second contract. If he has a great year, If he's, you know, pretty healthy throughout the majority of the season, has a great year, getting that second contract might be pretty easy, right? It's still running backs and running backs. Value is decreasing every single year. More teams are jumping on board with that idea. But if he has a great year, somebody's going to sign him. He's going to get a second contract from somebody and it'll be, you know, it'll end up being a decent contract for a running back. But if he gets hurt, misses time, or if he's just in a committee. With Samir White and Kenyon Drake and doesn't put up the numbers of sort of this lead number one back he's probably not getting that significant second contract right he'll he'll get a second contract but is he like playing for a million dollars next year right is he playing for a significantly lower contract than if he was a star running back and that's the out that's the those are the two real likely scenarios if he sticks around in Vegas this year now if he were to get traded those scenarios could still happen on his new team right new team could trade for him and have no interest in giving him an immediate extension and he's just in the same position but on a brand new team or he gets traded and whatever team trades for him eh, they probably believe in him believe in him if they traded for him they give him a new extension before this season even begins and to me that's best case scenario for josh jacobs is he gets traded away from the Raiders to a team that immediately gives him a second contract. If he could pull that off, that would be best case scenario. And so, in my mind, if I'm Josh Jacobs, part of me, maybe all of me, is sitting here saying, I shouldn't be here. I should not be in practice. I should not be a part of this team. I should demand a trade because my priority isn't to go out and have the best season possible. My priority is to get a contract beyond this year and get guaranteed money beyond this year. So there's a lot of reasons why Josh Jacobs should absolutely walk in and ask for a trade. This is not about the Raiders shopping him. This is about what's best for Josh Jacobs, and that is to be on a different team that'll put more value in him. But here's the problem for Josh Jacobs, for Kareem Hunt. NFL teams don't value running backs. This is not just a Raiders phenomenon. This is pretty much across the league. There are some teams you might be able to find that still do something stupid, but for the most part, teams are not going to value running backs, and as a result, they're not going to value Josh Jacobs in a trade. Because think about it. If Josh Jacobs walked in, demanded a trade, and the Raiders said, yep, you know what? We'll trade you. What are they getting in return? In all honesty, you're probably hoping for a fifth-round pick. And you're in reality getting a sixth round pick or even worse, you're doing a pick swap, right? You're getting a sixth and you still have to send a seventh round pick back. John Gruden loved doing that. Like in reality, you're not getting a significant pick for Josh Jacobs because the majority of NFL teams understand the value of running backs. And there's no point in giving up a third round pick for a running back. Right. If like, that's the thing like, right now, if you're the Raiders, if somebody called you today and was like, Hey, uh, we got a third round pick, would you trade us? Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs is gone. Josh Jacobs is traded immediately. Like that's not even a question at that point. If anybody offered a top three round pick for Josh Jacobs, the Raiders, they should take it in a heartbeat. There's no doubt about it. The Raiders would do that. But the problem is the Raiders aren't going to get that third round pick. Most likely if they, if they were honestly trying to trade him or if he demanded a trade, whatever the scenario was, sixth round pick is coming back. And if I'm the Raiders, I have no interest in trading Josh Jacobs for a sixth round pick because Josh Jacobs is going to give me, as the Raiders, more value than a sixth round pick would. Right? The sixth rounder, A, he doesn't help my team this year, and B... He's probably not even going to make the team the following year, right? Like, I mean, uh, six-round picks, uh, What I wonder where the percentage is on six-round picks making the NFL roster week one. Probably below 50%. Hell, it might be below 30%. Like, six-round pick is probably not on your roster next year. So I have no real interest in trading Jacobs for a guy who doesn't help me this year and probably won't help me next season Either, like it's just okay, whatever. That guy might re-sign to our practice squad. Congratulations. The value that Jacobs can give you this season is better than that. Josh Jacobs is still like he's he's a fine NFL running back, right? He's not a bad player, but you can just replace him with other guys if you did trade him. But for a sixth-round pick, no, I'm going to keep him, and we're going to go committee with Jacobs and Zamir White and Kenyon Drake and Brandon Bolden, whoever else is end up on this team throughout the year, like that's what I'm going to do because that's going to be more valuable because I don't, the main thing you don't want to have if you're the Raiders this year is you don't want to have the one running back who gets 24 carries every single game because that guy's going to get hurt. Like that's, That's what happens in the NFL. There's very rarely the guy that gets 24 carries and doesn't get hurt. Derek Henry did it for a long time. He still ended up getting hurt last year. Jonathan Taylor did it last year. Will Taylor be able to do that the entirety of this season? Like you don't want to have, The one workhorse back you need to have some form of a committee and so if you're the raiders a sixth round pick no now third round pick absolutely josh Josh jacobs is gone whoever's offering that third round pick great trade raiders you've got tremendous value for a player that didn't actually have that much value so that's what i would do that's the scenario for jacobs and the raiders now the interesting part for the raiders Jacobs doesn't appear to be interested in doing that, right? Obviously, he's been in practice. He played in the Hall of Fame game. And right now, the Raiders might have two players on their offense that are being selfless when they should probably be more selfish for themselves. Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. Waller should absolutely be sitting out or holding in, whatever the hell you want to call it, to get a new contract. And he might be doing that. We don't really have an actual update on on Darren Waller and why he's mispracticed, but... Darren Waller absolutely should. Josh Jacobs, there's a little bit more reason not to, just because if you ask for a trade, the Raiders can say, well, nobody's given us anything for you, so we can't trade you. But Darren Waller absolutely should. There's two players that are kind of doing the Raiders a favor by not being as selfish as they probably should. Two players that are kind of putting the team ahead of their own contractual interest, their own you know salary interest by showing up and practicing and playing in josh jacobs and darren Waller. all right coming up next q myers joins the show from raiders
0: practice um you know somes you know a lot of guys have to play multiple positions so um you know that can't be part of the problem so you know we have to be able to uh you know a lot of guys played multiple spots last night um <clears throat> you know because you have to have depth at the game somehow some way um, there were a few things obviously that Brandon can do can do better uh, there were also some things where there was some things we were trying to uh, do offensively where we didn't execute them very well uh, they didn't have anything to do with Brandon so
2: all of the Sun none of the fun on the press box summer edition
1: joining us now is Q Myers good morning Q how are you today
0: yeah, I'm doing great now that I hear that beat in the background right there. That's the way to bring me in, man. That's the intro <laughs> I like right there.
1: <laughs> all right. Keep a note of that, Jared. You got to make the guest happy. Um, all right. Where where are you right now? In the media room?
0: I'm st- standing outside the media room. We're about to go out to the practice field, which I think we're going to be indoors today. I don't think we're going to be outside. So oh, there you go. Oh,
1: Good day. Good day. All right. Um, well, okay. Before we get any more into practice, um, the last time we talked to you was before the Hall of Fame induction. How was the Hall of Fame induction for Cliff Branch and the rest of the class of
0: 2022? It, it was really cool, man. It was, it was great. It's funny when you're out there, you never know what speech is going to get you. You never know. And sometimes there's multiples, but you know that there's always going to be a moment where you watch somebody and you hear their speech, and then all of a sudden it just chokes you up. And so Bryant Young, who went right before uh, Cliff Branch's sister Elaine, uh, his speech, and then he starts talking about losing his son and everything, and it was just like, oh my god, that was the moment. You look around, and everybody is in tears, just about in the in the uh, in Tom Benson Stadium. So it was it was great, though. You know, just to see those guys all get honored, and obviously Cliff Branch, unfortunately, he wasn't there, but just to see Raider Nation was out there, so excited to see it. Uh, the after party, huh, the after party was incredible as well. <laughs> Anytime you have Diana Ross performing, that's pretty that's a pretty big deal. So yeah, it was a great time.
1: I was going to say, was Diana Ross the best part?
0: Um, oh, she could have been. She was She was very uh, very high on the list, let's put it like that. But, uh, you know, the party just went on. I couldn't tell you what time the party ended. I mean, literally, I could not tell you what time the party ended. And then I made a beeline to the airport to fly back, and I still don't think I'm 100% recovered. Still haven't quite got my voice all the way back yet. And, hey, who needs a, who needs a voice for radio, right? So it's That's all good.
1: <laughs> not important at all. All right. Um, I do need to – were you a part of the conversation about alligators and pythons in the media room?
0: No, that would be Cassie Soto and Adam Hill, and then okay. uh, Case Yeah, Case got involved in that. I, I stayed out of that, because I know if there's pythons or alligators around, I'm not going to be around, <laughs> period. Right? I'm, I'm out of there, and you're on your own. I don't care who you are.
1: See, that's the right—okay, for anybody that doesn't know, Adam Hill just tweeted out a quote from Case Kiefer, who said, I'd be way more scared of a python than an alligator. You just hit them in the nose. And I, Q. your answer is the right answer. You're afraid of both of them. There's no right. either or with pythons or alligators.
0: No, this guy is, like, trying to be on an episode of Naked and Afraid or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you want to be around? If you see either one of them, you're out of there, right? You don't sit there and say, well, I saw this on Discovery Channel. <laughs> My in the notes. That's just dumb. Like, just get out of there, dude. And that's why I would be okay. And then you'd hear about Case later on. Well, you know, local guy. Passes away because he fight, <laughs> fights the alligator and lost. It just doesn't make any sense. All
1: right. When's Josh Jacobs getting traded? Make it happen.
0: It is not happening. Josh McDaniels made sure <laughs> that he uh, addressed that question first and foremost this morning, made sure that that was asked first and foremost. And I, I'll say that again. He made sure that question was asked first and foremost by Vinny Bonsignor. So uh, he said that they have big plans for J.J., and he uh, said that multiple times. He is not being traded, and uh, yeah, they wanted to make sure to get that out in the out in the open right away.
1: What do you think the uh, like split of carries is this year? Like, how much of a workhorse is Josh Jacobs versus how much of a uh, sort of running back by committee do they go with this season?
0: Yeah, I think that Josh Jacobs is going to have the majority of the carries, obviously, but uh, I, I do think it's going to be similar to what we've seen in New England, where it's the uh, you know running back by committee. And so I think that if you look at it, and you just split it up between. Uh, Josh Samir and and maybe Kenyon Drake I I still wonder where Kenyon Drake's role is on this team like I I wonder that personally uh where he fits in because you have Brandon Bolden as well which is a lot cheaper than than (laughs) Kenyon Drake but but we'll see we'll see what happens so I I would say at least uh maybe 50 30 20 as far as Jacob Samir and uh and and Kenyon Drake or Brandon Bolden whoever you want to put in that role but I, I think that Jacob's is going to be the workhorse. And look, if they lose him after this year, and some t- team signs up to a free agent deal, they would want him to have a big deal because they'll get a higher cop pick. So, uh, yeah, they're they're hoping that he has a big year.
1: Uh, do you think we see Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, in a preseason game this week?
0: I'd, I would be shocked if it was this week. You know, I would, if anything, I'd say maybe uh, the third preseason game, especially since they have four, uh, maybe they'll see him in, in week three. I just, I don't think there's any reason put them out there this early in, in, in preseason. But, you know, we saw other starters out there in week one, the Hall of Fame game. So there's that. But, I mean, if I had to be a betting man, I would say that we don't see Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, and at least week three.
1: I think it's the Chargers. They have never played Justin Herbert in a preseason game. Is there any chance we don't see Carr or Adams the entirety of the preseason? you think we go a whole preseason of Jarrett Stidham?
0: No, no. I think you'll see Derek Carr at least at least one game, you know, at least a few – a few series, at the very least, I, I do believe he gets in there and uh, you know, kind of, kind of displays what him and Devontae Adams may look like for a quick minute. I don't think you'll see a lot, and I think it'll be very vanilla. But you'll definitely see him a little bit. Just it just feels like this regime really believes in kind of getting these guys a little lathered up before before it's all you know before the bullets are live.
1: All right, you're going to walk out and you're going to get to see a little bit of practice. What is your prediction for the starting right tackle today?
0: Uh, I think it's going to be Alex Leatherwood. I really do. I think that the Raiders have a big, massive concern when it comes to the offensive line in general. Just after what we saw on Thursday with Brandon Parker, and again, I know that Brandon Parker wasn't playing a position he normally would play. But you never know what could happen if Colton Miller went down uh, and he had to be put in that position, the Raiders would be in trouble. So I think that you'll see Alex Leatherwood at the right tackle position. I think you'll see, you know, Alex, uh, you'll see Brandon Parker kind of sprinkled in there, just in reps, just to keep stay fresh, but. Um they the Raiders have a real real deal issue when it comes to the swing tackle just in case something happens to that left tackle position. So uh yeah, that's that's my 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 thoughts are when Alex Leatherwood is really outshining you, you know you're probably a little bit in trouble. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, give me another prediction here. Do you do you think that Darren Waller or Chandler Jones will be participating today?
0: No, I do not. Um that was one of the questions I was asked to Josh McDaniels, but it wasn't asked the way I was hoping it was going to be asked where it was just specifically those two guys. It was more asked about you know, the guys that are injured and working their way back, like the PubList guys as well. And Josh McDaniels gave a very vague answer about all those guys are working their way back, and they'll be back out there uh, sooner rather than later. I feel like if Jones or Waller was going to be out there, he would have said, yeah, they're better, and they'll be back today. So I don't think that we'll see those guys uh, anytime soon, and I'm not sure if you don't see them. If, if this second preseason game goes and you don't see them, back in practice or out there then i think you start to really get concerned
1: is there any concern on the darren waller side that it's not injury related that it is contract related
0: you know for me uh and i know that a lot of people have kind of shot this down but for me yeah there's a little bit of of concern because i know who he's represented by i know he's represented by clutch sports and i know that they find ways to get it done whoever their whoever their client is they always find ways to get it done so uh, yeah, if he doesn't come out sooner rather than later, I do start to think, like, okay, this is one of those uh, sit-in type situations where he's at camp, so they can't find him, but he's not participating until they get closer to getting the deal done or getting a deal done. But, uh, again, I've heard that it's, it's more injury-related. It's just it's something very minor that they're not worried about. So I'll take him for what they say right now, but as, as it lingers on and lingers on, I will start to get a little bit more concerned.
2: Q, what was the uh, dramatic thing that happened to you this trip? Did you get your headphones stolen? Did you have to stay up all night? Like, uh, What what happened? I, I vaguely recall Vinny doing a show like two feet from you while you were on a hit.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's crazy because the media room, it's unbelievable. The media room was closed at the Hall of Fame because they didn't have enough bodies to man it, which, you know, that makes me wonder what in the world's going on anyway, but yeah, so on Friday, everything was basically generated by way of my hotel room. So Vinny did the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio in my hotel room. Well, I did, you know, a podcast because I do about, uh, I don't know, 500 podcasts. I did a podcast <laughs> in, the, in the kitchen room and kitchen area uh, of the hotel, and the lady came by and told me to be quiet. So I was messing up her daytime soaps. And so then I uh, I go back to the room, and I start doing – Uh, my show on Unnecessary Roughness Radio, I did that, and then I followed that up with an ESPN hit where I was filling in for uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons on from 6 to 10 p.m. our time. Well, that's 9 to 1 a.m. Eastern time, so obviously I'm in Cleveland. I'm on the East Coast, so around 11.30, my neighbor at the hotel starts pounding on the wall because I'm making too much noise, so (laughs) then I had to try to navigate through that, so for the last hour and a half, I had a guy pounding on the wall while I was trying to host a national uh, sports show. So, yeah, go ahead. You figure that one out.
2: <laughs> good, good At least you didn't have cell. to talk to the cops.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. No, the, the police were not involved this time around, so that's positive. I will say, when I made a beeline to, from the, the party to the airport, uh, I had to sit around and wait for a little while. And then, uh, so I was basically super delirious. and every, But everything went smooth, right? So I thought, hey, this is one of the smoothest uh, uh, airline <laughs> trips I've ever had. And then I got to the airport here in Las Vegas, and I had to wait an hour and a half my bags. so Ooh. there you go there, there, you knew there was a catch right there it was always
1: alright um, I'm going to uh, give you this D- you're going to pick one media member and one player on the Raiders you have to fight the alligator and the python what media member and what player do you want to help you
0: oh man it's, okay um, I would say I would say Adam Hill because he's a larger dude and I think that the alligator would attract to him more than they attract to me uh, I mean, because you're going to get more out of him than me, right? I mean, let's just, let's just be honest about the situation. Um, that probably wasn't very uh, appropriate, but, I mean, it's just, that's how I'm thinking. It's survival, man. You know, you got to survive. Uh, and then the player I would go with, oh, man, that's a really good question. The player I would go with, who do I think would be that kind Maybe. of dude that might be able to hold it down?
2: I could make a suggestion. It's the punter because he's already asking the long snapper. Okay, if I fought you, but you had no thumbs, he's already working through scenarios in his head.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. But I would think that it would be, you know, maybe a fullback or a like maybe Jakob Johnson. I mean, he's from Germany, so he might have some tactics that we don't know about. So <laughs> you know, I gotta I gotta say with one guy, it's like that. You know that Red Bull commercial where it's like, well, you can't outrun uh, a lion. I don't have to outrun the lion. I just got to outrun you. So I'm going to go with Adam Hill and I'm going to go with Jakob Johnson as the two guys, and hopefully I survive.
1: All right. There's his team. Q Myers. You can hear him on Raider Nation Radio uh, later today with unse- Unnecessary Roughness. He's out at Raiders practice today. Thanks, Q. We appreciate it.
0: No problem. Appreciate you guys.
1: So, Q Myers That's from our boss. Raiders practice. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That was terrific. Um, I think I go Jonathan Abram because he's going to take out at least one of the two animals by just running headfirst into
2: it. And he'll distract the other animal because he'll be unconscious. And the other <laughs> animal is like, well, I'm going to go with this one.
3: <laughs> can we can we call Jennifer Lopez for some expertise?
2: Where you're going, you, you know Tyler does, is not going to get that reference. You I... know Tyler's not going to get that
1: reference.
3: Well, that's I got sad. nothing for
1: you. Oh, I got man. nothing for you. Her right. her,
3: and Ice Cube fought off, uh, what was it, a 50-foot Anaconda back in the 90s? It was yeah. it was pretty good.
2: It's a documentary
3: about yeah. the it rainforest.
1: a documentary. I, yep, I believe it. All right. We got tickets to give away to a comedian show. Zane Lamprey is live in Las Vegas this Friday, August 12th, 7.30 show at the House of Blues. You can buy tickets at Ticketmaster or win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That's 702-364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to go see comedian Zane Lamprey at the House of Blues. Be caller number six at 702-364-1100. How he plays and how he gets stuff off, just it's just kind of
0: one-dimensional at times. If we put Luca, Embiid, Bron, KD, and Giannis on any team in the world, they gonna be whoever they, who they gonna be who they are right there. As soon as you put them in there, I just don't, I don't, I don't know about that for Steph. I think it's it's a little it's a little murky for Steph.
1: You're locked in the press box. Update from people covering Raiders practice: Chandler Jones is back at practice. He missed a few practices before the Hall of Fame game presumably with an injury, but there are no injury reports during training camp. So nobody really knew unless Josh McDaniels had come out and said it, but Josh McDaniels is definitely not going to do that, Uh, which means no idea why he was gone, but he is back at practice. Uh, Tashawn Reed just tweeted that he doesn't see Darren Waller. So if Waller is not out there at all, I believe that'll be three practices he has missed two before the hall of fame game, then everything with the hall of fame game. And now, A third one, so interesting to see what happens there with Darren Waller. But I've got a tweet. uh, Danny and Jared are in the studio. i got a tweet for you guys, and I need you to tell me what was the worst part of this guy's day. So there's a guy named Michael, and on Twitter this morning, he tweeted out, Car wouldn't start this morning. Get to work late, and our Internet is down. I love this bleep. Unlike Kevin Durant, I actually enjoy taking the hardest road. It's basically just problem-solving practice. Kevin Durant quote-tweeted this guy and said, You enjoy having a bleepy car and getting to work and not being able to connect to the internet? So what was the worst part of Michael's morning? That his car wouldn't start, that the internet didn't work at his work, or that Kevin Durant dunked on him on Twitter.
2: Yeah, it's got to be Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant cuz Kevin Durant's a dork.
1: All right, I'm going to I'm going to rank these three things without knowing what this guy's job is. I'm going to go the number 1 problem was his car not starting cuz that sounds expensive and yeah. it was a big inconvenience to his day. It might be a big inconvenience to his multiple days in the future depending on what's wrong with his car. Number 2, I'm going to go with Kevin Durant dunking on him on twitter because i actually think this guy probably doesn't think it's a bad thing this guy probably loves that kevin durant tweeted at him because this is just let's see how many followers does michael patrone have he's well okay never mind he's got eleven thousand followers so maybe he's (laughs) not a random guy but i'm imagining he loves that kevin durant tweeted at him and number three without knowing what his job is i'm going to just go out and guess he was probably pretty happy the internet was down at work. That probably means he doesn't have to do quite as much as he normally does at work. Maybe not. Maybe I'm completely wrong, and that made his life absolutely terrible. But I'm going to go out and guess that is. But I actually think this guy probably enjoyed that Kevin Durant tweeted at him, even though this guy got completely dunked on in this scenario. Uh, These I'm curious.
2: two different types
1: of dork.
3: I'm curious yes. what caused him to specifically call out kevin durant like was he doing it in hopes that because kevin durant (laughs) is known for going back after people who go at him
1: like Like, he just
3: wants the attention
1: like we have plenty of problems in our studio and i'm waiting for the day when jared like oh we have some problem and we can't hear our guest and jared just randomly takes a shot at like draymond green on twitter because of it like what compelled this guy to be like ah what a terrible day today has been. At least I'm not Kevin Durant.
3: And also, like, is like, does he love his job so much that he gets there and he's angry that he's not allowed to work or he's not able to work?
1: He's taking. The, he enjoys taking the hardest road. I, I will Durant. say,
2: I am that type of dork where I do love my job enough that I get really upset when things don't work. Well, you get upset when things don't go
3: correctly. This guy is upset that the internet is out and he physically cannot do
2: work. Yeah, that's, again, these are two, him and Kevin Durant, A, you responded to a guy with 11,000 followers who's saying an old narrative that you've heard a 1,000 times before. Like, I, what, it was, it was Kevin Durant just on the toilet this morning, just scrolling through his
3: mentions you never know i'm sure that's when most of them do their their replies
2: and this guy is literally just like oh awesome i got my new header on twitter yeah this is going on my tinder page Probably.
3: Of
1: all of all the things Kevin Durant has done on Twitter, this is not one of the worst oh, ones. no, this is this, this is, is <laughs> this is a great one. This is him just reading his mentions and being like, "Who's this moron?" So I'm gonna it, dunk on him. He, so it doesn't
3: he it. it doesn't say in that guy's uh, bio what his job is because eleven thousand, you would think he's got some sort of content creation job.
1: All right, here you go. Uh, I, I can already envision Jared's face before I read this. Uh, his <laughs> Michael Patrone, his Twitter bio is eight-figure Amazon seller. Oh, God. Anti-guru, six years at college. Uh, is we, that because, because he
3: just couldn't graduate, or did he get I his guess.
1: grad degree? Uh, he has 420, and uh, <sighs> it's just the time. Uh, manic expressive, Ugh. my best secret. To make a million is two, and then it cuts off.
3: So this guy's a do we believe any of that? Dweeb.
2: <laughs> oh, blocks. I'm sure he believes it.
3: I mean, eleven thousand. He's got to have some sort oh, of credit, but like, there, that that last line is just. There's, it's not there's needed. this
2: entire like subgenre of male out there that believes all this like alpha nonsense of like. Like the harder I grind, the m- more I make, and it's like, nah, nah, man, that's that's not really how, you know, how hard construction workers like oh, yeah. work. They're not making as much as Jeff Bezos. Except for my buddy, he's uh
3: he's in construction, and we make fun of him all the time because he's like, oh, I had a tough day, but he runs, uh, uh, he runs equipment, and he just sits in a little box with AC blowing on him while everyone else is outside <laughs> in 110 working.
2: Tyler, under over on how long you would last uh, work in construction, I'm giving you less than four hours.
3: Oh, I say 20 minutes. Not even close to four
2: hours. What are you talking (laughs) about? I say 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm assuming your life has gone
1: so poorly that you're like, I guess I'm getting a construction job. How how long does it take me to put the vest and the hard hat on? Because that's about the length that would take me before i nah no thanks guys i'm I'm okay here all I'll right pass.
3: uh real quick uh we got what 15 seconds left Uh fun little bet i made this morning oh jesus uh rams to be the first team to have seven touchdowns in a regular season game this yeah. year
1: in a single game
3: yep they're 15 yeah. to one and, and if nobody does even, it uh nobody does it i get my bet back which is jesus. always good